0: Hello and welcome to Grace Church Vienna. Today we have El Charoni as our special guest preacher, and El was the pastor of Grace Church for more than 10 years and currently serves as a pastor in a church in Jerusalem. Today's sermon is based on Matthew 9, 35-38, a passage where Jesus, while teaching and healing, talks about the sheep without the shepherd and the harvest that needs more workers. So join us now for this sermon titled On Mission with the Master. happy that uh, this morning um, Pastor Al and Billy are here to visit us. Um, You were in Austria for many, many years. Um, You were pastor in, I think it was the 2000s, right? And the 90s, 90s and 2000s um, when you were in Vienna. Right now you're in Israel. You probably tell us more about that. Um, But every now and then when you get to go through Europe, you come and visit us. So thank you for doing that also this year. And I'm excited to hear um, what the Lord is teaching us through you this morning. There's a little more shalom, right? And it's uh, am I, am I okay there, Philip? Too much sound? Should I? I I've got hearing aids now, so it, I really hear myself. And it's good to see Bjorn. Uh, by the grace and providence of God, we met each other in Ikea, so that was uh, for, I, I should go upstairs, okay? Thank you. And it's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, Lord willing, uh, we'll come back every one or two years, probably next time in two years. Because uh, of COVID, we had to change plans. But we're on our way uh, to Poland. As you know, we go up to Poland for a sport camp and uh, a week, or 10 days here, seeing you folks and enjoying Wiener Schnitzel and kebab. And then we go and enjoy Kobasi up in Poland. But that's not why we're here, just to eat. Uh, we're doing a sport camp, evangelistic sport camp, in Palavisa with Pastor Marian. You remember him. He's spoken here. We're going to have uh, 50 young people, 30 Ukrainian, 20 Polish. So it's going to be an interesting... All I know in Russian is shlava bogu." You know what that means? Praise the Lord. That's all you have to know, right? And so do pray for us. Uh, we're leaving actually tonight by train up to Poland. Then we'll be in uh, a few churches. And then we start to camp on uh, the end of July next week. So do pray for us. So we're, seeing, we're going to see great and mighty things happen. We have a team of 10, around six from my church in Jerusalem. Are coming, so we're happy. We're not all the great sport people. You know, you get my age, what what can I do? Blow a whistle and, and bring water, the water boy. And, uh, you know, love the kids. That's all we have to do. Preach the gospel and love the kids, right? And that's what we're aiming to do. So we bring you greetings from my family. Uh, Billy never changes. He uh, looks like when we were back 30 years ago, (laughs) same. Uh, Emily is uh, in Jerusalem with us. She's uh, expecting her third boy next month, and that's a joy. Seth, my son-in-law, he works at the Anglican School. Actually, she's leading the worship at the church today, Emily. And then uh, Libby is uh, our oldest, as you know. She's In Wheaton, Illinois, four children, and homeschooling, too. That's good. Allison is the wanderer, you know. Uh, She's been all over in Africa, in Vietnam, in South America. Now she's going back to Ghana where she taught, so uh, pray for her. She needs a man, by the way, you know, a husband, so pray for her, okay? Okay? Thank you, Jesus, for today. Thank you for the chance to be here with our friends and brothers and sisters from Grace Church. Bless the word of God in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'd like to turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. There was a... I I would say, a business leader. Uh, And uh, he said something that has a little bit of biblical significance. And he uh, learned this from his father. His father said, listen, my young son, whatever you do in life, have a dream. Okay? Okay, like Martin Luther King Jr. Remember, he said, I have a dream. Right? I've been on the mountaintop. Okay? And I see the day when men and women will not look at each other by the color of their skin, but they will judge each other by the conduct of their character. He had a dream. Then he said, dream, great dreams, and then learn as much as you can. And then the third thing, give yourself to a cause that is greater than yourself. Now. Isn't that kind of biblical? Because Jesus even said it. He says in John chapter 14, and we can dream great dreams because Jesus wants us to dream great dreams. He said, if you believe in me, you will do greater things than I do. You know, just believe. Then he said, not only dream great dreams, but also pray great prayers. Right after that, he says, and if you pray for anything in my name, I will do it. So we pray great prayers. And thirdly, we do great things because after that, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Very simple, right? Dream great dreams, pray great prayers, and then do great things. All things are possible. Now, in this passage of Scripture, in Matthew chapter 9, I love it because here we have Jesus doing what he was called to do. Of course, he came to earth to die for our sins, but he also lived his life for 33 years. And let me just read this. This is Matthew chapter 9, starting with verse 35. And then Jesus went to all the towns and villages, Now, Jesus was a mover and a shaker, right? He moved around. I like this. He was just the stationary pastor. He was a mover and shaker, not like Elvis Presley, you know. Uh, That's the, we could say the modern shaker of, you know, that we all copy. No, Jesus was the original mover and shaker, moved around. And I like it because even he would say, You know, the Son of Man has no way, no place to lay his head. Because many came, Jesus, I want to follow you. Wait a minute. The foxes have holes, the birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So to follow Christ, be prepared to move, right? Now, Jesus was a mover and shaker. He went to all the towns and villages. And what did he do? He taught in the synagogues. He taught in the churches of the day. Now, what did he teach about? Obviously, he was teaching from the Old Testament and proving to the people that he was the promised Messiah from Isaiah 53. There's so many passages in scripture which speak of the coming Messiah, and Jesus was teaching about that. Not only that, he was preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease And every sickness. Now, he preached about the kingdom. Now, the kingdom, when we think about the kingdom, what do we think about? We think about the kingdom that is to come, right? When Jesus comes back. How many believe Jesus is coming back? You know, the Jews are back in the land, by the way. You know, God prophesied the prophet they would be dispersed around the world, and before Jesus, the Messiah, comes, they would come back into the land. They're in the land. It's a land of prosperity. You know, everything in the Bible that we read about the second coming is coming true. Okay, I can assure you, I live there. And Jesus will come, and he will reign in what city? Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Okay, some people are waiting. You know, they have this, what they call the Jerusalem syndrome. I hate to say it, but they go there waiting for Jesus. You know, they rent an apartment at the Mount of Olives waiting for the time Jesus will come. Don't do that, by way. We don't know the time that Jesus will come, but he will come, and he will set up his kingdom on this earth for a thousand years. Now, that's one part of the kingdom, the promised millennial kingdom, but there's also the kingdom within you, right? Jesus said it, right? The kingdom of God is within you. It's a spiritual kingdom. How do you get into that kingdom? What did Jesus say to Nicodemus? Unless you're born again, you cannot enter the kingdom. Okay, not, and that means born from above. You know, salvation comes from the Lord, and so hope you're born again today. If you're not, now is the day, right? In fact, George Whitfield, the great British preacher, open air preacher, by the way, he um, was always speaking about being born again, and one man came up to him, you're always talking about being born again. And he said to that man, well, are you born again? He said, no. Well, I'm going to keep preaching born again until you are born again. <laughs> so we, we keep preaching the message. We don't know God's timing, but that's the kingdom of God that we preach. And then Jesus went around healing every disease and sickness. Okay. Now I'm not advocating all this, some of this stuff the healing and the things like that, God can heal, obviously. I I always tell people in my church, uh, God will always heal, okay? He can heal instantaneously, number one. He also can heal through a doctor. Hello, doctor. Hello, doctor. You know, so don't neglect medicine. And he can also heal eternally, you know, to be with the Lord, no more sickness, (laughs) Don't we look forward to that day? No more sickness when Jesus comes again or when we go to be with the Lord. That's eternal healing. So I I always say in God's timing, God will heal in his way. And he will, you know, comfort and he will encourage. Now today, when you think about it, you know, praise God for Christian groups who are helping people, right? Uh, praise God for the response up, you know, in Ukraine feeding people praise God you know even in in Israel uh, we have a lot of needy people Holocaust survivors sometimes we had in the park in Tel Aviv many Sudanese come from dafur you know they're sleeping on the ground in the trees and we set up a feeding thing for them we fed them we fed them but not only did we feed them and they were so encouraged we gave them the Bible in Arabic And it was an amazing situation. We even had one of our sisters, by the way. I don't have the slides. I think I showed them last year. She's 100, Irene Levy, she's 102 years old. She'll be 103 next month. Irene, how are you? This was Irene Levy. And uh, she's still praising Jesus. She was out helping and feeding the Sudanese at the age of 95. Okay, don't think it's ever late. You can always be serving God, okay? And uh, But it is a testimony, and Jesus did that. He healed the sick, he raised the dead, but he preached the gospel. Now, here we find now Jesus giving us, each one of us, a vision, okay? Believe on me, and you'll do greater things. And the vision, in verse 36, when he saw the crowds, okay, he felt compassion for them. Are we looking at the world today? You know, Ukrainian situation, uh, the conflict in the Middle East, the the trouble in Nigeria. You know, I know where you're from. Uh, the American political uh, catastrophe. I say that as an American. It's uh, in, in Hebrew, catastrophe. You know what it is? It's, it almost sounds like the same thing. In Hebrew, it's called balagon. Everything's a balagon, you know? It's a mess, the whole world. But the most important thing we have to realize is that people are going to hell, right? You know, lost people. You know, we can't solve all the problems of the world, political problems, war problems. The war is in the heart of man. And only when Jesus comes, and we pray, come quickly, Lord Jesus, And when we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, you know what we're praying for? We're praying for Jesus to come. There's no peace without Jesus. But we have to have compassion for people. You know, you look around. I love uh, going on high places. You know, you go Kallenberg, overlooking Vienna. Then I went, now the Achaia. You can look over the city. When you go to the Mount of Olives in Israel, in Jerusalem, you can look over the city as Jesus wept for the city. You know, and you see the people lost, sheep without a shepherd. That's what Jesus said. He felt compassion for these people because they were weary and worn out, sheep without a shepherd. Let me ask you a question. Are there sheep without a shepherd in the city of Vienna? Are there many? Right. Lost. I mean, I have to look around in Jerusalem and Israel. You know, we have the Jews and the Arabs. You know, Muslims uh, lost. The Jews lost. Uh, praise God, some have come to faith, but we have to look at them with compassion, a broken heart. Jesus wept over the city. You know, it was uh, William Booth. Everyone know William Booth, Salvation Army. He was asked, "How can I win souls?" You know what he said? Try tears. Tried tears, weeping. You know, the Apostle Paul was a man of compassion as well. Even though he was a hard-nosed uh, Pharisee of Pharisee. God met him. God saved him for a purpose. And of course, Paul had a burden. Paul had a burden and a compassion for his own people. And, and you just have to turn. If you don't think, uh, we know that the children of Israel, Israel, the Jews, are God's chosen people. It doesn't mean they're special and they're going to get saved because they're Jews. No, they still need Jesus, right? And, of course, it was Paul's desire that they be saved. That's the most important thing. And, of course, he was under conviction of sin, and he came to the Lord, and he developed that compassion. And you can you can feel his emotion. You know, God is a God of emotion, right? You know that? Jesus was a felt Jesus. He felt. He's not just an intellectual dogma, doctrine. Jesus is a real person. He was a real person with feelings. He wept. He suffered. He was betrayed. He felt that. But look what it says here. Here's Paul. I'm not lying. This is Romans chapter 9. I have intense sorrow and continual anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from the Messiah, for the benefit of my brothers, my countrymen, my by physical descent. Now these are the Israelites; to them belongs the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the temple service, and the promises. You know, these are God's people, but He had intense feeling for them. If we don't have that intense feeling, that intense compassion. We better examine our hearts. We, we better pray for broken hearts. I'll tell you one thing, that's not an easy thing to do because we are by nature sometimes prideful people, right? Sometimes it's difficult to humble ourselves. You know, all I know is that in marriage, you better learn humility, right? In the church, you know, in, in Russia, you know what the number one qualification for an elder is in the Russian church? Humility. And that's what Isaiah says, this is the one I will look at, one who is humble and contrite and who trembles at my word, that humility. You can't have revival. And I pray, we should always be praying for a revival, right? You know, revival starts with me, humbling myself before God, brokenness before God. In fact, the great Welsh revival was started by a young man. I like Young people, don't you? I wish we were young again. (laughs) Oh, those were the days. But you have a lot ahead of you. But even the Welsh revival was begun by young people. Not old. I mean, even though, praise God for old people, we we still know how to pray and we can still be used. But um, Evan Roberts was like 20 years old. He wasn't a great preacher, He wasn't a great evangelist, but he was a man of God. He was a miner, but God met him. And he heard a statement by an evangelist that said this, you bend, bend your knees, you bend your life, you bend, and then God will revive the people. Bend the church, and then the church will be used of God to bring others to himself. Are we bent? And he started preaching that, just praying, singing. You know, it wasn't a preaching revival. It was a praying revival. And they bent themselves. They humbled themselves before God, and God brought the revival. It it takes that compassion, that brokenness. Sometimes we have to ask, I mean, I'm going to Poland. You know, what am I going to do? I tell you one thing, I'm going to, I can pray. And I'll be with the kids. You know, I can't do all the sports. I mean, I tried some sports a few months ago. I was in San Antonio with a conference with my organization, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. You know, that's who I work with now. And I do Jerusalem Baptist Church. And they had sport competition. And I don't know. You know how old I am. (laughs) So I tried dodgeball. You ever played Dodgeball. Somebody hit me in, in the, the nose, and I got, I felt, I'm going to get him back. I ran, and I, I, uh, I don't know what it was. It was a groin problem, and then I hit my ribs. I mean, it was bad. I said, No more. <laughs> no more. I'm not, but, you know, we're going to, it doesn't matter now. I'm not going to do that physical stuff, but I'm going to pray. And, and do pray. I need your prayers as we do this thing. And, have, and give us compassion, Lord, for, for the the young people there. That's what we need, Broken brokenness. Now, Jesus had that compassion. He saw the people. They were like sheep without a shepherd. That it was a vision. And we have to look at people. Oh, he's a nice look. No, no, don't look on the outside. Look at the heart. People are lost and going to hell. Number two, he said this. He said, now you pray. He said to his disciples, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. So he gave a vision, okay? He gave a vision, look at the world, it's going to hell, but the harvest is what? Plentiful, but the workers are what? Few. Why aren't there more workers? Okay? We should always be willing to say, here I am, Lord, right? Didn't Isaiah, the prophet, I love Isaiah the prophet, don't you? He wasn't a uh, particularly, you know, great preacher, but God grabbed a hold of him. He saw God high and lifted up, the holy God. The angels were proclaiming, holy, holy, holy. He saw himself as a sinner before a holy God. Woe to me, for I am a sinner. I am unworthy. And then God touched his life. And then he said, Here I am. He say, Here I am, send Philip. Send. Here I am, send Maria. He said, Here I am, send me. Are we willing to do that before God? Are we just going to stay in the pew, stay in the pulpit, stay in the seats and not do anything? Are you willing to say, Here I am, Lord? Anything you want me to do, I am here. Now Jesus said, "The harvest is plentiful." I like it. I like men of, uh, of vision, don't you? Visionaries. We had. We were talking this week. I was at Pastor Rob's church last week about Corky Davy. Everyone knows Corky, right? I, I, I mean, Corky Davy is my, my example. I mean, he's wonderful. Billy Graham. I got saved at Billy Graham. I love Billy Graham, but I'm not going to be a Billy Graham preacher, you know. All, But but, Quirky Davy was a a person like you and me, you know, down to earth, and he preached on the street, okay. But he was a visionary. Wherever he went, he had a dream for Vienna. He was in Africa and dreaming about Uganda. And then when he went to Slovakia, dreaming about that. And he would always reference those great missionaries. And I love how many from England here. Any British? Okay, all right. That's like we have a few in in Jerusalem from Britain but I love the British missionaries they started everything William Carey you're from India look like Indians right praise God for India William Carey had a burden to go to India he had a vision he had a map he prayed and he went to India and he had a vision for the salvation of the Indian people while back in England they were discussing theological problems John, uh, John Patton had a vision for the Muslim world. A vision to reach the Muslim world for God, for the gospel while England, all the churches were dividing. Okay? We have to be people of vision. Right? We have to realize that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And have the vision. And if you don't have the vision, get the vision. All right? If you believe, what did Jesus say? You will do greater things than me. Believe. Now, that's the first thing. We see. We have the vision. Number two, we pray. It's going to be like a three-part sermon now. I'm on point one C. Number two is pray. That's what Jesus said. Therefore, Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest field. Pray. How many love to pray? How many pray enough? Far be it from, even Samuel said, far be it me that, that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. Because Satan attacks prayer. But is prayer effective? You pray, thank you for this time of prayer. We have the same type of... Uh, ministry there, prayer warriors. We have a wonderful prayer meeting. You know, so we are those who pray. Now, what did Jesus say? Pray the Lord of the harvest, right? Number one. The early church, when Jesus ascended to the Father, remember, he was on the Mount of Olives, okay? You can go there. And uh, there's the Chapel of the Ascension where Jesus, you know, I went there, I, I said, Jesus there was a man working there. Jesus arose, and he ascended from here. I know. We believe that as Muslims, too. In fact, the guardian of the chapel of the Ascension is a Muslim, basically, because they believe, like, the Mahdi will come or whatever, you know, their belief is, and uh, it will be like uh, the Islamic, whatever, Muhammad, and then he will defeat Jesus, you know, but he's going to uh, come to the same place, Right? He ascended, but before he ascended, what did he say to his disciples? He promised them You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be what? Witnesses, where? Where first? Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, othermost parts of the earth, right? It's all there. And when he ascended, when he ascended to his father, you know, they began to pray for 10 days. He promised the power. Ten days of praying, one day of power. The day of Pentecost came. What does that say? More prayer, more power. Ten days of praying, one day of power. Keep on praying, right? You know, we had a meeting uh, in Bethlehem. Uh, We had these sport guys come. Some play uh, professional American football, excuse me, okay? I have to distinguish between European football. I love European football, too, by the way. I lived in Milan. I'm an AC Milan fan. I love it. But American football is my sport. But we had these professionals come. They're evangelists. And we had uh, sport camps, basketball and soccer. We did it. And at the end of the week, we had the parents and the kids for an award ceremony. And so we had around 100, 120 there. There are around 20 or 30 Muslims in the group. So Mike Cobb, uh, he played with the Chicago Bears. Uh, he gave the gospel to all the crowd. And he said, if you want to accept Jesus, stand up. There are 120 there, Muslims included. I, I couldn't believe it. All 120 stood up even the Muslims, I said, Lord, this is revival. I have never seen anything like this before in my life. I said, how is this possible? And then I heard we had another meeting, you know, across town in another location, and the evangelist had the same number, of 120, same proportion of Muslims and Christians, whatever, professing Christians, He gave the message. Would you like to accept Jesus? Stand up. All 120 stood up. I said, "This. How is this possible?" You know. So we went, like good evangelists, good uh, servants of the Lord. After you have a nice ministry, you go out for pizza, right? Because I I have a philosophy. Okay. You remember when you do outreach? The three P's pray, preach, and party. Don't forget. So when we pray, we pray, we go out and preach Jesus, and then we have a good time, right? Party. So we went out for pizza. So we brought the team back to the hotel. When we went into the hotel, in the lobby of the hotel, there were twenty Korean on their knees praying to God. I said, that's why because our brethren from Korea were burdened to pray for us. They were on their knees the whole time in the lobby of the hotel praying to God. It's, it's amazing what God can do. Amen? And I remember Maria, remember? Maria came, visited us and my friend, Jewish friend, Barry, he had some, he, he died last year during COVID, not because of COVID, but uh, but he had some back pain, so Maria was here, and I said, "Let's go pray for uh, Barry, Jewish guy, you know, Barry Kaplan, his wife Sybil." I said, "Maria and Kate, let's go pray, but don't don't pray in Jesus' name, because he might be offended, you know, he's Jewish." And so, but Maria said, "Pastor." We must always pray in Jesus' name. You're right. We went over there. Here was Barry in bed. I said, Barry, listen, this is Maria and Kate. They are real prayer warriors. They're going to pray for you. But, Barry, they're going to pray in Jesus' name. You know what he said? Well, I guess it wouldn't hurt. <laughs> but they prayed, and it actually felt better after that prayer. And he always used to say, do pray for us. Isn't it amazing? The, the power of prayer. <laughs> it's amazing. Jesus said, go pray. Go pray. And then, of course, we are to go. Jesus says, see the needs, see the harvest, pray, and then go. Now, the word gospel, what are the first two letters of the word gospel. Go! (laughs) So that means move, go, and preach the gospel. That's what he said. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into the harvest field. We go with the gospel uh, of Jesus Christ. We're not there to preach politics, okay? uh, You know, one thing that COVID cured me of, okay? Can I say this? This is confession, because I I really like news, and I I studied politics in university, okay? I was going to be a lawyer, a politician. I'm glad God uh, ended those plans. You know, I was going to be, I wanted to be president. I mean, honest conviction. And then God saved me. You know, Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, who knows Charles Spurgeon from England? He said he was offered the position of prime minister of England. You know what he said? Sorry, I don't want to stoop that low. I would rather be preaching Jesus. And I'm glad I'm preaching Jesus. Okay, that God has given us that privilege to go preach the gospel. And it doesn't have to, it's not a complicated gospel. Right, not complicated. You know, even the Paul, you don't have to be an eloquent preacher. You don't have to be Billy Graham. You don't have to be Corky David. In fact, Paul did you know Paul had a speech problem? He, he was uh, very smart, but his speech was contemptible. Great writer, but speech contemptible. Okay? But he said this: You know, when I came to you, to the Corinthians who were Greek, smart, philosophical, and everything else, when I came to you, I did not come with superiority of speech or of eloquence like your Greek philosopher. I came to you in fear and trembling, preaching to you Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's pretty simple, right? You know, and he was the intellect of intellect. He could have philosophized. He could, he could have done a lot of things, but he said, I come to you with one message, Jesus Christ and him crucified. So I'll keep it simple. And we're, we're sent out with that message. And uh, it doesn't matter. We might have, have a speech problem you know, even, I, I, I tell people, you know, how long are you going to be preaching for? Are you retiring? I don't believe in retirement. It doesn't say anything about retirement in the Bible. Show me. Said, but I'm going to keep preaching until my false teeth come out. <laughs> and even if they come out, I'm still going to be preaching Jesus. <laughs> one, one time, my, just a, a side note, I do have hearing aids now, but when my mother died, I told my sister, save my mother's hearing aid, because maybe I can use them. So I was, um, she died, and my sister saved the hearing aid. So I come back to Israel, and, and I put the hearing aids in. I'm hearing a little better. And I'm telling people, I'm hearing you better. And so as I was speaking, one of the hearing aids fell down on the ground. And I said to them, you know, it's a good thing I didn't get her false teeth. <laughs> I can't believe I said that, but, you know. Uh, but it doesn't matter. In fact, we knew a guy. It's so amazing when you have the power of God. A guy named Neil Jeffries. He, he was uh, a great man of God. He was actually a pastor, believe it or not. He had been a professional football player, quarterback. Uh, and, you know, if you're a quarterback, you know, you have to give the signals. Hep one, hep two. Right tackle, let's go. Now, the problem is he was a stutterer. Okay? He couldn't even say it. hep one, hep two. Somebody else had to say it for him. He stuttered. And you know something? Then he became a preacher. And we heard him preach. Right, Billy? He still stuttered a little bit, but he gave the most powerful message I ever heard. It doesn't matter. He never overcame his stuttering. But he was powerful. And you don't have to be a great orator. You know, God wants to fill our minds and hearts and be filled with the Spirit. He wants us to preach with power. You know, as we go, I'm just going to mention a few things, then I have a little illustration I wanted to share with you. It's kind of related to Poland and the power of prayer. But uh, if you look at chapter 10, Matthew chapter 10, you know, Jesus sends his disciples out. The, the, it says here, the Lord of the harvest, send them out to to the harvest. Then he summons his disciples to go, okay? And they go, okay? I told you what to do. Now you go. They go out. They preach the gospel. They preach the kingdom. They didn't go out with much. You know, they said, you, wherever you go, God will provide for you. Will God provide for us? You know, they didn't have much uh, provision. In fact, go out every day. You know, the, even Jesus taught in the Lord's Prayer give us this day our daily bread. Don't worry about tomorrow, right? Give us this what? day. God will provide. Has anyone been forsaken of God? You know, has, has God always provided? Yes. Okay, sometimes it's a last minute, but he does provide. And he said, don't worry about it. I will provide for you, but I will always also protect you. Don't be afraid of man. He says that to his disciples. Don't fear man. Don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of these people. Don't fear those who kill the body. But are not able to kill the soul, rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And God, if he doesn't, you know, spare, aren't two sparrows sold for a penny yet not one of them falls to the ground without your father's consent. Even the number of your hairs are counted. Believe that? I don't care if you're bald or not. God knows your hairs or the hairs you did have. Okay? You know, it, it doesn't matter. God knows every little thing, and he's going to protect us. As we go out with the gospel, we do not, we do not fear man. We do not fear opposition. You will be persecuted. We do not fear. You know, here I am in, in Israel, and uh, don't you aren't you afraid there? Terrorist bombing? You know, I, I've seen, to tell you the truth, I've seen around 10 uh, rockets coming from Gaza, shot down by the Iron Dome, right in front of my eyes. Okay? Uh, Yeah, I I was there. You know, it's like fireworks. Fireworks are coming. Here the siren. Here comes the missile. You know, I was telling my friend, we're eating a pizzeria in Bethlehem. Sirens, look outside for the fireworks. This missile from Gaza comes, and the Iron Dome anti-missile hits it. Okay? And, uh, you know, I'm not afraid. Did you know... I have a three man security team. Three men. The father, the son and the holy spirit. And I you know I'm well known. I am well known in Jerusalem. I'm well known by God. That's all I need to be known by God, protected by God. You know, and God protects us. And we we've we've been in in Bethlehem when the kids started throwing stones, you know? I thought they were going to throw it at me. No, they were throwing it at the Israeli soldiers, you know? So the good thing I know Bethlehem well. I know my escape routes, you know? So you have to be a little careful sometime. And so God protects us. Don't fear. God will provide for us as we go out with the gospel, and we need to pray. And, you know, something about I think I mentioned this before that um, the calling of God is an important thing. I mean, it, the calling's for all of us. But I understand the calling into ministry. And when you think about it, the call to ministry is a call to preach. And here my father was uh, anti-God, anti-preacher. He hated Preachers. He especially hated street preachers. And then his son gets saved. He becomes a preacher and a street preacher. Then my father gets saved. Hallelujah. Amen. And right at his deathbed, you know, here was a man who hated preaching. He hated preachers. But at his deathbed, you know, he was a practical man. He said, okay, um, Everybody, come around. I'm going to be leaving this earth soon. He said He said to me and my sister, take care of your mother. He said, get 10 death certificates. He was an insurance man, you know. <laughs> he said to my mother, May, stay in the house. You'll have uh, $3,000 a month to take care of your needs. Have the funeral at The Ippolito Funeral Home, good friends, and the last thing he said, he looked at me, and Albert, you preach. Well, I knew what that meant. I was going to preach at the funeral, and I did for 400 people. But that also was a confirmation. My heavenly calling was confirmed by my earthly father. Albert, you go and you preach. Now, I close with this, because I'm going to Poland, you know, and Bjorn, how many have been to Poland with us? Up, uh, you were with us, or you just been up to Poland? Yeah. So, uh, Edith, how are you doing? Last time I saw, Edith, raise your hand, I saw her in Jerusalem two weeks ago, three weeks, she always goes up there. And Bjorn, we have a great time, and we're not there just to have fun with the kids, to do that, we're here to preach the gospel, Right? Bjorn, we did, went up there, sketchboard, everything. And with, with Stefan, it was a wonderful time. And uh, if you remember Amadeus, who remembers Amadeus? Okay. He, he, <laughs> he was actually at CIG last week. He was there, so I saw him. And I had to, had to share this because uh, when I go to Poland in the past, I always like to do two things. Encourage a pastor. You know, you take out, these guys don't have much money. You take them out for a meal. And I remember when I was uh, on a train one time from Warsaw to Katowice, and I was praying, Lord, help me to encourage a pastor and help me to preach the gospel outside. Okay, that's all I pray, open air. not I, yeah, The church is easy, we preach in the church, but outside, I want an opportunity. So I was on a train, and I met this guy, and he spoke English, Polish guy. And we got to talking, and he asked me what I did. I said, I'm a preacher. You know what he said? I'm a preacher too. I said, How'd you come to the Lord? You know? Well, I told him, Billy Graham, maybe you. Well, you know, I was a real firm Catholic. But I liked, you know who I liked? I liked two men Martin Luther King Jr., and he had a dream. Then I liked Elvis Presley. And I figured, you know, Martin Luther King, he was a pastor. He had a dream. I love that. He was a Baptist, and then Elvis Presley was a gospel before he went into his you know secular music. He was a gospel singer. Elvis Presley, did you know that? He sung a lot of gospel. He was involved in a gospel church, uh, an Afro American Assembly of God Church. That's where he learned uh, you know all those songs. And then, uh, unfortunately, he took a nosedive. Right. But, you know, he regretted that. I was uh, at one of the malls here a long time ago. There was a display of Elvis Presley memorabilia. And there was a diary of Elvis in his last days. And it said, Matthew 6.33, seek first a kingdom. He went back to the roots. At, of course, he had his problem with drugs. So I said, because of that, I said, I need to check out Baptist belief. So I went in evangelical. He heard the gospel and he came to faith, and I was a pastor, so that was one answer to prayer. Thank you for encouraging this man. Then I said, "I need to, Lord, I want to preach in the open air." I, I don't know. So I was. We were having some meetings and inside, you know, preaching in the church and preaching in a youth conference, and then I was uh, at a at a kinder or like kinder youth. Uh, meeting, you know, inside, and it was with Amadeus, and we heard music. We heard music in the background. So what is that? So we go up the hill, and in the town, I don't even remember the name of the town, Hitovice, something like that, there was the Polish Idol contest. You know, 300 people were there. Polish Idol. And then Amadeus, I mean, yeah, so I brought my guitar. You know, you always have to have your guitar in hand just in case. You know, and he goes up to the manager of the concert. He says, "Over there, this is Al Cappuccino. <laughs> he, he he sings gospel songs. Can he sing?" So the manager says, "Sure, why not?" Well, how much time? Well, take twenty minutes. Wow. So we got on. He and I, uh, I think halfway, the guitar sang gospel music. I'm going to lay down my burden down by the riverside, you know. And then, oh, happy day, oh, happy day when Jesus washed my sins away. You know, sharing the gospel through song and then sharing the gospel. 20 minutes. I mean, that was a wonderful answer to prayer. And even they clapped at the end. They were, they were singing along with us, but it was a one, it wasn't, we weren't trying to entertain anybody. We were trying to get the message across. So when you pray, God will open the door. So I'm challenging each one of us today. Um, we're believers in Jesus, right? Jesus said, if you believe in me, you'll do greater things. We are believers. We have Jesus in our hearts. We should have compassion for the people who are going to hell. We should also be encouraged because the harvest is plentiful, but unfortunately the workers are few. And maybe it's up to you, me, and you. Are you going to be uh, just sitting in the pew all day, or are you going to do something for Jesus? And all it takes is a pray. The Lord of the harvest praying. Here I am, Lord. Anything you want me to do. In fact, I'll give you three A's, It will end with this. Three A's. Anything. Anything you want me to do. Number two, anytime. Anytime I'm ready to move. And then three, anywhere. Are we willing to pray that? Lord, here I am. Anything you want me to do. Anytime, Lord, I'm ready, and anywhere you want to send me, here I am. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you, Father, for each one of us here. I pray for a great sweeping and movement of the Holy Spirit in this church. Thank you for the church, Mars Anita. Thank you for coming from the church there, and Edith coming from, you know, different people coming. And God, we know we're not just many churches, we're one church in Jesus. With we And we have to have that burden for Vienna, burden for Jerusalem, burden for Europe, burden for Ukraine. Father, let us see people as you see them, lost and going to hell, sheep without a shepherd. And I pray out of, of our midst, right here even, but, Lord, you would raise up workers to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Even when we go up into that camp, and I even pray for the camp they had in, uh, with Sean and Michael, uh, you know, in the young people's camp. Out of that, all that group, there will be those young people who will rise up and say, here I am, Lord, send me. And I'm praying that for those 50 kids in Poland, in Palowice, Poland, that out of that, that kids would get saved And they would be raised up to go around the world and preach the gospel. I pray by faith in Jesus' name. And thank you, Father, for this time together. Bless this church. Use it for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.